Podcast, episode 128, Bambi, Twitter painting. to the Rotoscopers Animation Addicts Podcast. I am Mason Smith, your lovely co... I'm your lovely main host, I guess. And then uh, back by popular demand is Morgan Straddling. She is back from her sabbatical um, last episode. Of course, we want to thank Rachel Wagner for filling in for her. But welcome back, Morgan. How does it feel? Feels great. It feels like I have not been on the show in a really long time. Really? And because it's basically been a month, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we kind of took a... I am back. And then Chelsea, uh, our recurring hostess with the mostess, as always, hanging out with us. Say hello, Chelsea. Hello, everybody. So Chelsea, unfortunately, is recording on her phone. No, I'm not recording on my phone anymore. I'm on my normal computer, but my normal computer has, it's like the internet in my house is just really, really bad. Abysmal, basically. So all you get is my, you get my voice and you get my pretty still picture. So yay. Well, your still picture is so pretty. So that works out. It's smiling, and it's happy to see you. <laughs> and it's happy to see you. <laughs> I love it. So we have a little bit of explaining to do for those of y'all who have been eagerly awaiting. Of course, on the website, we said it was going to be um, 6.30, but we actually started recording at 7, so we got to change that on the website. But for you super loyal um, Rotoscopers listeners who have been hanging out and mysteriously saw the rotoscopers.com live links all change from... Ice Age 5 collision course to Bambi. Uh, we, <laughs> about in the middle of the afternoon, we kind of all came together and we're like, you know what? We really don't want to do Ice Age 5. <laughs> so, to the. You couldn't twist our arm enough to get us to do it. And the, I mentioned this a few weeks ago and was turned down and said, oh, guys, come on. It's funny. They like when we do the, 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 the bad movies. And I was like, well, okay, I guess. I just really don't want to go out and see this movie. And Chelsea and I had the opportunity to see the advanced screening for this. And we had other things that came up. And so we just sort of passed on it. And then I was like, now I have to go spend money. Yeah, I was on my way to the theater after work to go see it. And I was just like begrudging the whole thing. You did. (laughs) (laughs) I was so like, I looked right at my phone at that moment. I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. He spoke up and and finally confirmed what we were all feeling, <laughs> and we decided to scrap it. And here's the thing, guys. I know we are animation addicts, but <laughs> I'm addicted to the good stuff. <laughs> Occasionally, we're always going, I like. We're always going on and on about how it's like, guys, we should love all animation, embrace all no, animation. And we're like, there oh, is... I don't want to watch Ice Age Five. I want to watch a Disney classic. <laughs> Well, and one thing that Mason always does say is whenever we see certain things that are announced or whether it's live action or not, you know, Mason does say, you know, if you want them to stop making films like this, (laughs) stop seeing them. And I really do want them to stop making these films. So power of the purse. That's why we are are not reviewing this. Yeah, this is our uh, protest episode against the Ice Age franchise. (laughs) We have nothing against Blue Sky, but enough is enough. (laughs) To quote Jiminy I... Cricket. 
So we got Melissa Long who said, I actually was glad that my ticket ended up being for free, dot, dot, dot. You didn't miss much. And so um, <laughs> we've, got, we've actually got a couple of voicemails uh, that we'll play at the end that will kind of be our episode for Ice Age 5. We have two people <laughs> call about Ice Age 5, and so you'll get to listen to those. But um, yeah, other than that, like... We changed our minds. Um, the the lucky uh, Greg Wild, who is our patron, who selected Bambi for this episode. Uh, this could be either really good or really bad for them because maybe they're expecting Bam- the Bambi episode to come out in two weeks, but it's coming out now, and so they'll still get to listen to it. Just maybe not live. I don't know. I, I've never I never see Greg on the chat. I, I, this is the first I've heard of Greg. This supposed Greg Wild. So, well. We are doing Bambi. It is quite a shift in tone from what we were going to do, which is a, a, a fifth quill, cool or don't even know what to call it, to this. Yes. And Mason, as usual, has brought sound effects that are appropriate to the movie, which well, we are going to be I was be watching reviewing. the meter, and it was really high, so let's that try that again. That was really, really a lot. Okay, that's a little better. Jump scare, everyone. <laughs> Okay, so just real quick recap. For those of you who are new to our show, The Animation Addicts is a podcast where we talk about all things animation or almost all things animation. It turns out there are even some things that we will not touch unless we'll do truly a review desperate. on the site. We'll do a review on the site. Well, yes, yes. We will we'll do a little. There was yeah. already a review on the site. Well, then we're good. We're gold. I think we're good. Then we're set. Okay. (laughs) But what we do is we talk about an animated film, past or present. This episode, we are going into the past. We do have some patrons via Patreon. And so whenever we are reviewing an older film, we allow the patrons. One of the perks is that they get to help pick the films. So this is one of the patron picks, and it's going to be Bambi. And I'm really excited to talk about this. I have much more positive feelings and emotions towards this film. So that's great. That leads to a better discussion but it seems also in the chat that a lot of people are uh, okay with our (laughs) decisions so but typically we do try to review most of the newly released animated films Um, not all of them but however we do do quite a few more than we used to so stay tuned i think the next one that we will be doing is kubo i thought that was sausage fest coming up yeah we won't be doing that one but the kubo i am so (laughs) excited about the Kubo, she the called Kubo. it. The Kubo. <laughs> Legend of the Kubo. Rise of the Strings. <laughs> All right. So, shall we jump right into it? Yep, yep. Boing? Yeah, don't start the podcast and... Yeah, until the bang. <laughs> Love is a song that never ends. Life may be swift and fleeting. Hope may die, yet love's beautiful music comes each day like the dawn. Love is a song that never ends. One simple. 
Walt Disney Animation Studios. So this was released in 1942. Um, and the release date's kind of, kind of telling. So released in the beginning of World War II, as y'all probably have have guessed uh walt disney didn't release another full-length animated film in theaters until 1950 because of the war and there was a shortage of workers and shortage of i don't know textiles there were more important things to focus on apparently and uh can y'all guess which one it was that he didn't uh he didn't release until 1950 isn't that snow white it wasn't snow white snow white was the the first animated film that walt disney released oh no it's not i mean sleeping beauty so- it was, no, it was Cinderella, Cinderella yeah. in the 1950s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's true. So, um, Well, here's the thing. This was actually after a book. Yeah, I didn't know that. And that was weird. The, yeah. The, the book is not like the and, movie, kids. Don't go reading the book until you're an adult. <laughs> well, when, when Walt Disney first read Felix Sultan's Bambi, A Life in the Woods, and he read it first in 1937, which was the same year that he did Snow White, or that Snow White was released. Yeah. But he was just, like, so taken by it that he wanted to do a full feature on it. And it was, like, from the deer's life, from birth to maturity, was, like, he loved the feeling, he loved the tenderness, and he's like, this has got to be done. <laughs> and just, like, the the amazing, um, just the backgrounds, everything involved with this movie, I think was for him something that he wanted to move forward. He wanted to do lifelike things and just really, and all of the artists really wanted to push forward in the realm of realism. Naturalism, you know, having to do with nature. Yeah. I was Mm -hmm. surprised this was based on a book and this was actually in production for a long time. Like you said, during uh, Snow White, you know Snow White's production, and then this went on for a while, and so I don't know. In a in a in a perfect world, maybe this was like supposed to be the second Disney animated film or something like that. But ended up being quite a few uh, films after that. But yeah, naturalism, not set in a fantasy world, and that is one of the many many things that sets this film apart from the other Disney classic canon, basically. In in the you know. The classic golden era. Do we call it the golden age back back then? Or do we just call it like the proto-Disney age? The golden age. Have you not been following our Disney canon countdown? Golden age of powerful animation gods and extraordinary animation heroes. Uh, So (laughs) can we name other Disney animated films that don't take place in a made-up fantasy world? So it has to take place in an actual country, like confirmed in an actual country that exists. So Arendelle, Arendelle does not work. Yeah, I was, I was okay, going to say you could tramp. say Lady and the Tramp. Since we're right? on the concept yeah. of dogs. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, London. all the yes. ones that occur in London and, and Europe and Paris. So we've got Aristocats, uh, Basil of Baker Street. What's it really called? <laughs> great Mouse Detective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was getting Great Mouse wrong. Detective. Let's... Wait, so what is your, what is your definition of... Of non fantasy world because all of these have okay, so the, it could it could be yeah. like a world of talking all these have animals like fantasy okay. elements like talking um, dogs I guess because uh... <laughs> the only ones that I really could think of was Lady and the Tramp that's like this is happening in their world but in our yeah, so world not set like in it's... a fantasy world so maybe we should switch it and just find the ones that are in a fantasy world because there are quite a few that don't take place in a fantasy world or am I just no, I'd say it's the other way. Like, as far as, like, this is real, all except Most, for the... I mean, like, Tarzan is in Africa. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. But it, 
has these fantasy elements. Yeah. So I think most Disney films have a fantasy aspect, whether they're set in yeah. reality Does or not. Does The Little Mermaid take place in a real world setting or a fantasy world like like the world like the the geographic region fantasy world i mean it's supposed to be yeah not norway area or like baltic sea anyway oh ratatouille's in paris rescuers down under is in australia beauty and the beast is in france but is it it's still kind of a fantasy world. I don't know. It could be argued like what the world is. Does the character create the world? Does the setting create the world? But anyway, this is about as natural as you can get. It's basically the canon is that it's a, it's a forest in Austria. Not the United States. It's in Austria. And they had to change them from roe deer to white-tailed deer because Disney said so. <laughs> Do you need any other reason? No, it's because the book was Austrian. And the... but. Everybody who went to um, do any type of like field trip, you know, to go do research, they all went oh, to places in the U.S. And so, like the one of them was in Maine. They went to the forest in Maine, and then some others went to like somewhere in the West area. So you're getting you're getting hours <laughs> uh, as far as um, pictures and sketches and things they brought yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, they even brought deer into the studio. They seriously did. So live action reference. This is a supremely important thing in animation. Can't stress it enough. You need a live action basis to reference your animation performance off of. Of course, you could deviate with with any level of abstraction. But if there's no reference point for the audience, it's, they just won't connect. Like even alien designs are, are are they're kind of they have a real world connection like, oh, Jar Jar Binks is basically a horse and a slug. I get it. Maybe that was a bad example, but it's basically a Cajun, <laughs> Jar Jar a Cajun horse <laughs> alien. So oh, picture that okay. in your head. And that's Jar Jar Binks. Anyway, so yeah, reference. But as we will learn, just reference for reference's sake isn't enough because they, uh, they brought in two deer. Uh, they were aptly named Bambi and... Pauline? Yeah. Pauline, oh. is your dough ready? The matchmaker is not the <laughs> patient deer. <laughs> Nailed it. I just thought of that right now. <laughs> so they brought in live animals, but they were domesticated. I don't think so. Y'all got the stench of domestication all over you. Pets. <laughs> and uh, secret life of pets. Gotta love that snowball. Yeah, there you go. But they, you know, they, they didn't act like they do in the wild. So they had mm -hmm. to look at live action footage of like documentary style wildlife films. And that is a huge lesson that I've actually learned over the years is that reference for reference sake, like sometimes you'll um, have the opportunity to show your performance to an instructor or someone in the industry. Almost always they will ask, um, can I see your reference or show me your reference? And you can't just show them when that happens and you're looking for reference for your animation don't just go looking for don't just google deer in the woods like you need to google exactly what you want the deer to do so that you can capture that performance and base it off of that so um it's all about good acting yeah it's all about good acting so you wouldn't say well when i did this sword fight i looked at a footage of sir ian mckelling walking in the forest as my inspiration it's like there's a disconnect there you got to find actual sword fight reference to base your performance off of. So anyway, kind of a, an animator's lesson for y'all. But 
the animation was kind of complex because we're dealing with kind of naturalized characters, but they emote. It was really hard. Some of the stuff they couldn't do. They had to like rotoscope the great prince's antlers mm-hmm. from reference. Can we just appreciate um, the fact that there is oh a previously unknown and sort of shadowy Disney prince that we don't know about? And that is the great <laughs> prince. Yes. What is he the prince of and what makes him so great? Like, did he beat prince all the, the other? Forest. He's the prince of the forest. So there's no king. So he has to marry well, a princess or he can't become king. I am king <laughs> of <Exactly>. the forest. <laughs> And he doesn't I, seem to want to settle down. He has quite a few ladies, so he'll hello. forever be a bachelor yeah. prince. <laughs> so, I wonder how much alimony he oh, pays. Yes, it is a shadow prince, young mind of films. <laughs> and it was Mark Davis who turned to child psychology, and he opened up uh, some books. This is apparently part of their inspiration for, for Bambi as a child, Bambi's uh, facial expressions and character opened a book on child psychology and they had photos and references of, you know, this expression means this, this expression means this. If your child is making this face, get them out of that dangerous situation. (laughs) But uh, yeah, they, they did that to get the recognizable facial expressions. It's tough. You can't, you can't be like a watership down, you know, this was a Disney film. So they actually had kind of had to kind of, you know, have that real world reference for their Mm -hmm. facial expressions. Mm Mm-hmm. Although it'd be hard to relate to the characters or kind of understand or, yeah, just to relate on that extra level. So one thing that stands out to me about this film is the background paintings. Very different. It's while it still is a watercolor-esque, it is very different from the type of, you know, fairy tale watercolor backgrounds that we see in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And the reason is, excuse me, the reason it took a different uh, feel was because Tyrus Wong was uh, involved in the pre-production for this and really came up with some initial sketches and paintings for the film that really set the tone of what the design was going to be. And I, I love his background paintings because I think the paintings of Bambi just feel so different than any other Disney film. They're very airy and soft and, you know, very wispy in a way. And so I actually have seen some of his paintings at the Walt at the Disney family history museum, which is in San Francisco. They have a wonderful exhibit with um, basically tells the story of Walt's life from the very beginning through all of the productions that he was involved with. And once you start really hitting the studio years, there's lots of pre-production art that is on display. And also uh, a few years ago, there was an exhibit entirely focused on Tyrus Wong. It was called the, it was called water to paper, paint to sky, the art of Tyrus Wong. Um, It also had an accompanying art book, which you can find on Amazon. I'll include a link to that. It is out of print. So it's quite expensive. However, I wish I would have got my hands on one while I was there, but that was from August, 2013 to February, 2014. Um, And I think I was there in March 2014, so I barely missed this exhibit, and I was kind of bummed because I really do like his artwork. But um, I'll just give a little history, you know, a little just history about him because I think he's very, very interesting. So he actually was born in 1910 in China and is still alive today. He's wow. 105 years old. Whoa! <laughs> so, they which is absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Yes, please tell me your secret. Long and happy life. (laughs) Um, He and his 
his father immigrated from China um, when he was a young boy, and he left his sister and mother there. And so I'm getting this from the Walt Disney Family History Museum little biography about him. I'll include that in the show notes. But he never saw his mom or sister again, which is really sad. Um, however, he came here. He became very interested in art. And uh, eventually, just to, to kind of shorten the story, he did start working for Walt Disney. Um, he had a wife and a new child, and so he needed a job. So he started working. He was an in-betweener, and he thought it was completely mind-numbing. And then he heard that they were going to be doing the, the story of Bambi. So he went and read the book. And, quote, he says, I thought he thought the story was very, very nice. The feeling you could almost smell the pine. And so Ooh. as a result, he went out and he made sample sketches of different uh, forest settings and very lush mountains. And they were very Chinese inspired of the Sung dynasty uh, landscape paintings that you would see um, of that era. And so it has a very Chinese feel to the, the sketches and the art that he did. And they loved it so much that they ultimately included that and that style as the background style for the film. So Beautiful. probably one of the things he's most known for. And I just, I think it's, Absolutely mind-blowing that he is still alive today at a ripe old age of 105, and he's kicking it. So Ripe and old. That's, Attaboy. That's amazing. We should have him on the show. <laughs> yeah. Right. He lives in China now. He's back home. We can make it happen. We'll make it happen. We, we can cross contacts, diplomatic Let lines. us know. He was actually made a Disney legend. You know, wow. So. I would hope so. Yeah, The it, highest it, honor. Yes. We're all striving for in life, no? Maybe someday we'll be D Disney Legends, or we'll just be on their blacklist of annoyances forever. <laughs> done and so, done. Yeah. <laughs> so beautiful background paintings, and guess what? They're tiny. Like, they're like this big, you know, because they're animation cells, so they got to paint on that. Well, actually, what? No. I know that animation cells are bigger than that because the actual animation cells are bigger than that, but I saw a documentary, like, a you just Google, like, making of Bambi... And they showed us one that was like tiny. I don't know why they had to be tiny. Maybe because the multi the ones I saw were camera. quite large. Maybe because they're doing multiplane, and some of them had to be mm -hmm. bigger. I don't know. Perhaps. I know I saw it on the YouTube video, the little documentary. <laughs> the YouTube anyway, is always they just had a, a teeny tiny little painting. They could have done like thumbnail type things that could have been for the color cells keys, like the final. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's we need to do more research on this. Speaking of multiplane, <laughs> this was actually. This was done on nine separate levels. Oh, yeah. That's advanced. Phot photographed that all at one time. So I was just like, that you is pretty awesome. You don't go to just level nine. <laughs> that and is I bet pretty that's not advanced. even their final form. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, um, lots of complex It was all animation. done in oils. That was, I thought that was a cool, interesting thing. Ooh, oils. As a, as a poise to tempura, which was normal. Yeah, yeah. He was like, um, so give me my oils. Is it just me or is April Showers, the, the sequence, arguably like the most complex piece of animation in the film? Like, do y'all yeah. realize how hard it is to hand draw water droplets, like running off of leaves and splashing into water? And it all has to be in rhythm to an audio track. Like they have uh, they had dope sheets and stuff, which is a technical term for like figuring out your timing back then and so by that time they kind of had it down but man that's so complex i i can't even imagine well first they obviously they went to they went with reference they um got the old bowl of milk and the droplet of milk and the whoop, 
and it makes these crazy splashes in slow motion and of course as an animator you want to exaggerate that or it just won't read happens mm-hmm. too fast for our naked eyes to well i don't know what you would put on your eyes to be able to see these things so just your regular eyes and it happens too fast because you know the persistence of vision and stuff like that and so and then not only that, but you've got that interacting with the foliage and then the foliage is interacting with the animals and it's this huge kind of choreographed sequence and man, my hat goes off to them for that. You know, not only are they doing these complex animal animations, but just this effect in specific was uh, was just mind-boggling. I would say the music in general compared, like tied all together was pretty crazy like it was really good i loved i loved this song and i still love this song i was mentioning earlier before the show started that i was like i was always so mad that the, our school never every time we started a new piece ever i would always be like hey we should totally do april showers we should totally do april showers and inquire an orchestra because it was like that'd be amazing get everybody together do that so i was like oh let's do it and they never took me seriously which made me really sad it's so obscure that's the thing like these songs are great but yes yes that is compared (laughs) to some of the disney great songs out there a whole new world beauty and the beast april showers i mean these songs are not necessarily on people's like top playlists like when i have my disney playlist song uh, Disney playlist on these are ones that are not my favorite compared to some of the more Broadway esque ones in the con- in the context of the film they work great and I think they're they're perfect but they're very specific to this movie. Um, April showers is a good one that maybe out of probably well, it's a little more universal but it's it's yeah I think it's more of an obscure one than well i think Chelsea would like <laughs> yes i know but i mean honestly i think that the the sherman brothers were really what changed disney like we uh, we've been um this is an interesting thought like you look at all the songs prior to when the sherman brothers came in and it was like they're just not as catchy they're, they don't have as much of a of well, it's a catchier mm-hmm. than april showers no, it is, but that's what I'm saying. But all the other songs, though, oh, okay. like, I don't know. But it's like, there's a lot of those songs, I think, during the Golden Age. It was just a, it was a totally different style of music around in general. You know, it was more of a classical time. People really liked any... The falsetto. Yeah, yeah. With a smile and a song. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I think that's, I think that was probably one of the reasons why maybe i don't know it's just things changed so much in the 50s you got bippity boppity boo that's when that one came in and that was hey, like that was catchy back then that's every yeah but it was about 1950 when things became in general and musically it just became a lot more accessible to the to the broad public can you imagine a world and an era and a time when bippity boppity boo was like the hippest song out there <laughs> <laughs> What a day to be living. And contrast that to what we deal with now for popular music. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about the characters. So this basically tells us the story of this young deer's life from basically coming, being born 
although we kind of we don't see that part, but very, very, very new to maturity. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, only barely over an hour long. Basically. So how do you feel about uh, Bambi as our protagonist? Bambi does speak, although I feel when I think about this film, it's, it, you know, he, he, he does speak and does have lines, but it's, there's a lot more, it's, it's less than other films. It's not very dialogue heavy. Less and is more. Yes, exactly. I this, mean, it definitely the, is there. This could be Wall-E before there, were Wall, there was Wall-E. Yeah. Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. call me Thumper. Oh my gosh, you said it. I've been triggered with Thumper. <laughs> Move over, Bambi. Thumper deserves his own section of the pop. Bambi is great, Morgan. But Thumper, <laughs> he is amazing. Forget Snowball. In my opinion, forget Bugs Bunny. I don't know. It's close. But Thumper is one of the most hilarious and entertaining animated bunnies out there. I love him. I love Thumper. Thumper, what did your father tell you? <laughs> oh, yeah. this mor- uh, What did your father tell you this morning? This morning? <laughs> if it's you like, can't say anything nice. Don't say anything at don't all. Don't say anything at all. <laughs> Which stays with us. My mom always told me that. Uh, yeah, I didn't learn that one specifically from Thumper, but I identified it from it at, with him, you know, as as getting that that lesson. But yeah, and then the classic. What did I tell you about what? <laughs> about Pal- what? <laughs> eating the blossoms and leaving the greens. <laughs> oh, that one. You know, you know what the modern day equivalent of that is. Uh, is what did I tell you about? <laughs> eating the marshmallows out of your cereal <laughs> and leaving the crappy and, chunky part. And leaving the crappy <laughs> chunky parts. It's basically, yeah, you're eating the good stuff and leaving the filler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love Thumper because, um, and I think it was. I always get it mixed up, which is which is an animation sin, but it was either Frank Thomas or Ollie Johnston. Maybe it was Ollie Johnston who was talking about his treatment of Thumper and how he thought he was very fun because he'll have a he'll have one sequence and he'll have several emotive beats during the same um shot. And so he goes from um happy go lucky and precocious to Bambi where he's like, No, no, not that green stuff. Just eat the blossoms. And then <laughs> It's it's this perfect moment where he's like right there about to eat it, and then thumper, and then oh crap, and then he's ashamed, and then he's trying to, uh, you know he he's trying to ignore it or like diffuse the situation, and then he has to say it, you know, and then he gets he gets a last laugh because it sure is awful stuff to eat. <laughs> I made that last part up myself. <laughs> so he's just really great. Um, and as it usually happens, like, uh, you know, Ocarina of Time and Final Fantasy 1, when they grow older towards the end, it's not as fun. It's not. <laughs> there it are more really important isn't. things to do, like saving the world and finding a mate. <laughs> <laughs> saving the world was Final Fantasy 1. I don't really think you find a mate in that one, but there's a transformative thing. And... Um, and Thumper and the rest of the gang are... Oh, we haven't even talked about Flower. Flower's kind of a dopey dope. Flower. Oh, poor Flower. He's just kind of 
I don't know. That's okay. He can call me Flower if he wants to. I love it. Oh, I also I love like... how Thumper is the oddball. You know, the classic animation trope where it's like kind of the oddball character. He looks distinctly different from the rest of their group, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and Thumper's really fun, but that's kind of not the point of the film. And we need to acknowledge the elephant in the room. We got to talk about Bambi's mom. Uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> Spoiler alert. She <laughs> dies. <laughs> this is why Bambi appeared on Time Magazine's top 25 horror movies of all time list in 2007. Because we are faced with the real and irreversible death of the, of the main character's family. Like, normally in a Disney film, the parents are dead in the prologue or way before hence orphans it's like the animation trope of the 19th century of the 20th century right uh, but bambi it takes it so much further in the words of frank thomas and ollie johnston they said we think that bambi was walt's favorite picture that's a that's a that's a high order hmm. he says all our they say all our pictures were different but this one was the most different the death of the mother is the one picture where somebody is really killed and there's no fairy dust or lover's kiss to bring her back to life. She's dead, and I think that's the big thing that made this so different. Unquote. I'll go with that. And do you know what's interesting? I, I know a lot of people who are, you know, if they saw this movie in in theaters, it left them so scarred for so long that it's still something that they bring up. Like, I know of that generation, like, I've talked to a couple of people that are just like, oh my gosh, Bambi, no. People have I, mixed feelings about it. I would not consider this a horror film. It has one scene that is slightly traumatic, but I never necessarily thought this was nah. so traumatized that the mom died. This has everything to do with kind of this environmentalist message where uh, man is the bad guy. You know, it's a man thing. Or uh, once upon a forest, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you. And so, no, I don't consider this a horror film. And you know why? Because I grew up in South Texas. We eat deer. <laughs> and sometimes we kill them for their trophy. And my personal belief on trophy hunting is a little more complex. But I I mean, I, I was never really that affected by the mother's death. I mean, it's sad. Like, it's definitely sad. I'm not like this, like, sociopath who can't emote with these characters. Mm -hmm. But... I didn't exactly swear off of venison for the rest of my life <laughs> after it. So what, what about y'all? How, how did it affect y'all? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember being particularly traumatized by this scene. I always remember watching this from a very small age. I think, obviously, I was sad and saddened by the loss of the mother. Um, and sometimes, you know, you get a little choked up. Even even now, if you haven't watched it for a long time, like it is a very emotional scene, and it it just I love the way that it's just the way that it's presented, the way that it's choreographed. Oh my gosh! Um, you know, with it, there's just so much setup and Step build up. There's it. there's the quail. First off, you know they're they're eating in the meadow. You know, kind of just having a little bit, and then she her, she perks up, and you know, obviously danger, something's wrong. She says, "Bambi, you know, go home." And it's just very, you could just see in her face how serious things suddenly are. Um, and so they start running and there's even the, um, the quail that is <laughs> that we're like, the I ominous. just can't take it anymore. 
when she flies out and she gets shot and it, it adds, oh, yeah, that one. you know, seriousness to the situation. And then Bambi basically is told to run and not look back. And he does. And then, you know, he's panting and he's breathing. Mother, mother. And, you know, he walks out into the snow and it just it she's not coming back. And it, it's really prolonged. And then finally, we see the, the great prince and he he basically breaks the news to her. And it is it quite a very emotional and well well done scene um i love everything from how it's set up to executed to the the payoff at the end um brilliantly done brilliantly done and uh it's i mean that that tugs at you for me it's hard to tell if the guy was using a rifle or a shotgun (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's what i'm thinking throughout this whole thing Oh, I'll 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 match your thunder tube and raise you one. I was like, can we tell the difference between the gun and the thunder tube? Yeah. Chelsea just shot your thunder tube, so yeah. you're gonna have to buy another one on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Dang but, it. but you know, we you gotta face it. And this this is what makes Bambi such a powerful film, is because we're dealing with this death. And it's it's like I feel like in animated films or Disney films, like man's impact, negative impact on the environment and on animals and stuff is there and it does happen. But this one is just so direct, mm-hmm. you know, she's dead. And well, man is the enemy in this, you know, man is in the forest, you know, man it's is very, in the forest and man causes the big fire at the end. And the it's a big fire. Yeah. It's never it's shown on screen. Of, anti-human in a way which as humans is a bit frustrating i don't know i have a different opinion on that and um like i said in the chat like we don't want this to kind of devolve into a political discussion but it's such an interesting part of this film because most of the film's antagonists with the one exception being rano that jerk that bambi had to fight to get the (laughs) dough i mean that's nature animals will do that um most and men yeah, but we don't we don't necessarily have to have fist fights to get the girl we want. <laughs> it's true. Um, but most of the ninety percent of the film's antagonists are men, and let's not be sexist. There could be women hunters out there, huntresses, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes. Never shown on screen, but apparently, according to the making of featurette on the Blu-ray, Walt wanted the hunters to get killed by the fire that they started themselves, mm. as kind of a poetic justice. And, yeah, and then there's the sad case of Gobo. Do y'all know who Gobo is? No. Gobo was a character in the film. I think he was Faline's brother, so that would make it brother-in-law or a cousin. Faline. Yeah. And so Gobo was a discarded character from um, the original novel. Uh, he, oh yeah, Faline's twin brother. So that would be Bambi's first cousin. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert in the book. Bambi and Falling are cousins, but animals oh. do that all the time. It's fine. <laughs> and Gobo's death is a major part of the novel. So Gobo um, actually was wounded, and he was found by a man. He was nursed back to health, and the man actually released him into the wild. So I'm reading this, and I'm mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's cool. Like, a, a man with a kind of a conservational conservationist mindset took poor Gobo in, nursed him back to health, and released him back. What happens later in the... In the um, <coughs> 
in the novel is that Gobo uh, thinks that men should not be feared because of his experiences and then later willingly approaches a hunter who shoots him like point blank, basically. Oh, jeez. So the book is very wow. dark. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So I and I don't. I'm laughing because it's like an awkward, outrageous laugh. Um, obviously, I don't. Uh, I don't laugh over the death of of an animal. I'm I, I'm actually very harsh on people that are cruel. Well, to just animals. the irony of the situation. Yeah, no, it's just the irony of the situation yeah. and kind of this mixed message. And so there is, I would say, it is a conservationist message in the film and not an environmentalist one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Conservationism is all about respecting nature and um, what's the other R word? Oh, I wrote it down. I had it all had it all written out. Respect and responsibility. Yeah, that's the message that I get from this is that, you know, you see the the fire that is not tended for. It is just kind of left and, and the actual destruction and mayhem that it caused. And it really makes you think about, you know you know, smoky bear and you, you got to take care of, our, you know, be conscious of our place and what we are leaving behind and, and the yeah. effects that it causes because one little fire ended up destroying an ecosystem. Right. And it, and it happens yearly, you know, forest mm -hmm. fires are still a huge problem. Um, may not necessarily be because of, of an arson or because of neglect, but it usually is us that starts them. And it's a reality you have to face. But if I were to try to dissect Walt's vision for the film regarding man, I, from everything that I've read and everything I've seen, he wanted them to be this like antagonist, this like force of nature that um, the animals have to kind of deal with and live with. And it's like in Princess Mononoke where it's like, yes, nature and man can live together, but man will usually make a ton of mistakes in the mm -hmm. process so it, it can there be forgiveness you know after after nature has been so violated is there redemption and stuff and so it's this kind of ongoing question you know and my problem with 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 what the buzz about this film is that walt i don't think walt never ever meant to portray man as evil or condemn the hunters mm -hmm. they sort of just are but as yeah. frequently is the case with entertainment um you know, activism and activists, they adopt the film as their vehicle, as their representative for their ideology and the original context gets lost. And so that's why I think it's it's good to have a level head. Some people say this is an environmentalist film that casts man as the evil villain. Um, I tend to think it's more conservationist where man is an antagonist because of their carelessness. So I don't know. It's it's really up to you to decide to decide. But I will tell you that there was backlash when the film was first released. Tell me more. Okay. Apparently, in an early case of political correctness, the premiere of the film <laughs> was scheduled to be in a small town theater in Maine. And that's the hometown of animator Maurice Day, who originally brought the book to Walt's attention in the first place. So they were going to have the premiere in his hometown, small town in Maine. But the premiere was canceled and moved somewhere else because the state of Maryland feared that hunters would be offended by the film. <laughs> so... And then um, in 1942, the year that it was released, Raymond Brown, who was editor of Outdoor Life magazine, he called the film, quote unquote, the worst insult ever offered in any form to American sportsmen. See, that's interesting. I don't really necessarily see <laughs> I don't see the hunters being portrayed negatively. It, I mean, they're just doing what they do as hunters, which are hunting animals. Um, 
you know, I guess if the hunters are presumed to be the same people who start the fire, that's a little different. But as far as the actual act of hunting, I don't necessarily see any problem with it. I mean, it is presented from the animal's point of view. And so you are more inclined to not like the hunters and to paint them with a negative brush. Yeah. Um, But I mean, that's the whole point of storytelling is just showing from different sides. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And if I could very briefly, I had this whole thing typed out, but I'm going to condense it. If if I could briefly go into the technical aspects of the actual hunting involved, like if I was going to do a shot by shot, do it. This, oh, not this, that. This takes a while <laughs> to uh, load up, so I can't. I can't be very good at timing it. But so, <laughs> one of the questions I am asking myself—I don't know if anyone else cares—but is were the hunters there illegally? So, I looked up in Austria. Uh, roe deer hunting uh, season is from the first of May to fifteenth of October, or the first of August to the end of the year, depending on which of Austria's nine Länder you live in. Um, so you'd have to prove that the killing um, was made in that time frame. Um, Bambi's mom was clearly killed by a rifle. This was a precision kill. So my final diagnosis on that is that it was probably legal, like it or not. The second attack is when Bambi gets shot while leaping over a log, but he recovers quickly. Now, this is probably legal, but just plain dumb and irresponsible. Now, this is where I agree where the hunters were being very responsible. Uh, irresponsible, I mean, so bad bad hunters is that the shots were clearly made by a shotgun they were out hunting pheasants and what you had was a trigger happy hunter who took pot shots at bambi while he was running away because a a shotgun pellet will not penetrate the skin of larger game and so in that case they were being really dumb so there you go so there you go (laughs) i like oh there you go (laughs) but anyway i can tell we're getting a negative backlash from the people in the chat so maybe i should stop talking about the hunting so well with that i am done talking about no hunting. people are not upset with your the that people are just more upset that you keep using the gun sound effects <laughs> over and over and over again that's really what people are upset about oh my gosh i whatever it's funny to me um yeah i just for a second there and for whatever reason i can't get my mind off of it but the whole fact that the fire happened um is not something that I always see as a bad thing. Um, for example, I saw, I follow this. It's a very conservative, conservative, um, or conservationalist type of a, a feed on Instagram, but it's, um, they basically showed this, this fire of the uh, Mount hood in, in, um, Tucson, Arizona. It got it in 80 years. It had, it hadn't caught fire at all. And the person who wrote it, it said, this is something that um, on this mountain, which hasn't seen fire in over 80 years, it was born of lightning. And so it was, it has nothing to do with us, but it's actually a good thing because all this, it will go ahead and it will get rid of all of the mess and all of the debris over the last 80 years. And it will allow everything to kind of grow back better. Um, so I thought that was an interesting tie. So that's why I never, I've, not that specific reason, but I haven't always seen um, the fire in this movie as necessarily a bad thing. But actually, no, wait. But it was caused it comes by, from by him. Yeah, campers. so yeah, mm-hmm. so it was by him. Yeah, so yeah, that was bad. But <laughs> like, so I take that entire entire speech back. Whatever. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's just interesting. I I myself 
am not a hunk a hunter. I do not see myself. Well, you're being... a hun- you're not a huntress. Huntress. That's a proper term. <laughs> I, I am not a huntress. I do not. I I do not like killing in general. Anytime I'm driving down the road and I you, hit a rabbit, like killing, and Chelsea? I'm like, <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's like. It, I'm driving down the road from Utah and I end up hitting a, a rabbit or something. And I like, my heart just stops and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Thumper. <laughs> like, Aww. it's just, it's just, it hurts my heart inside, but it happens this, a lot. Not always, but like, I just got, <laughs> I, I, this man, last, I've never hit an animal. I have. And it hurts. Um, dude, one time I hit a big old raccoon. Yeah, that it, it it's just Texas hard. is Texas is the king of roadkill. When oh, I lived dude. there, it <laughs> yeah. was very common to have armadillos, all sorts of things on the side of the yeah. road. No very joke. sad. We have we have armadillos who drink in this state, and they get drunk <laughs> and they cross the road where they're not supposed to. No, 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 no. You'll you'll see it if you spend enough time in Texas. You'll see no, a dead armadillo on the side of the road, true. upside the down, with a beer can right next to him. I have a great <laughs> picture of me holding one. I yeah, I remember that. Picture. Well, not that great, but I mean, I. I really like armadillos, so I was excited. I got but, to touch one, and then I realized they're actually like really gross and dirty. Oh, they're disgusting! But, <laughs> yeah, but animals are beautiful. Nature is beautiful, and, and all that stuff. But I just think that humans are more beautiful than armadillos. Sorry. So, yeah. despite um, what you may politically think about things like guns and hunting, this film is great because it's so complex. Yeah. Yes. If you really it, dig into the nitty gritty, there is more to it than just bad man, good animal. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are no animals Absolutely. that are trying to kill the humans, but that's why it's 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 this naturalistic conservationist message that look, they can't fend for themselves. You know, they like they didn't start the fires. They don't go shooting each other with guns. So, how are we going to be respectful and responsible? And I mm-hmm. think that was Walt's original vision. Of course, I'm no spokesperson for Walt Disney, but everything that I have read and analyzed um, points to that it was more of a complex level-headed message than you would think yeah and as you were talking about gobo i can't really imagine how he would fit into the story it it, Mm -hmm. like the story is so simple yet complex at the same time um in in all the levels and and different meaning and just adding that plot line just it's interesting and i make i actually am really intrigued to go read the book but it just adds a lot to that oh speaking of texas yeah. Uh, when I lived in Texas, I knew a lady who was named Feline, and I said, Feline, I, I, I've never heard that name except for in Bambi. She's yeah. like, yeah, my mom named me after the character in Bambi. <laughs> she was not impressed Whoa, with her name. That's cool. <laughs> I was like, I think that's kind of a cool name. <laughs> so You should name your son Thumper bit. or daughter or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it's going to be. You know, Thumper is kind of kind of can kind of go both ways. There is a James Bond villainess by by the name of Thumper, and her cohort was named Bambi. So, well, there we go. Have you seen the? Oh, uh, it's it's just a video online. I think it's SNL or something where it's the live action, you know, uh, Bambi remake. Because at this point in time, Disney was announcing all sorts of, and they still are, live action remakes. And so the joke was that they are remaking Bambi <laughs> as sort of a like Rambo. Oh, just, yeah. I love yeah, it. Cr- it. It's pretty funny. I'll include a link in the show notes so you can watch it as well. Well, but. back in the 90s, there was a computer game called The Deer Hunter. Except it was The Deer Hunter. Like the hunter was a deer and you shoot all these rednecks. <laughs> Which I I do not agree with video games that glorify violence against um, against innocent humans. 
And so you can make the argument that the rednecks aren't that innocent because they're hunters, blah, blah, blah. But so I wouldn't play it. But, you know, there's kind of this. I don't know. I do like the. Oh, that's right. That was on SNL with The Rock, wasn't it? Yes. Sorry. It's. I didn't explain it very well. It's with The Rock, and it was a live action Bambi, but with humans playing the characters, and The Rock was Bambi, and <laughs> yeah. Has yes. anyone has anyone on the chat seen the short film uh, Bambi meets Godzilla? I think it's called. No. Oh, uh, you'll have to watch it after this. It's it's pretty great. Anyway. Perfect. Okay. Well, any last thoughts about this film? Let's see. Did we? We didn't necessarily talk plot by plot, plot, but nah, I like it when we tackle the big, the big deal. Oh yeah, uh, what is it called? Trepidation. Uh, Twitter page, Twitter patient, oh, Twitter pated, Twitter pated. Yeah. Um, moral of the story: When you get old, you will get Twitter pated, and you will die. So we except can pretty for much friend owl, that. apparently. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Friend owl is just kind of a friend. Uh, friend <laughs> owl's in the friend zone, so they. Friend owl never Hence got the Twitter name. pated. Yeah. <laughs> that seems actually really funny because it's it's everything around them is being twitter pated and the three of them are like the cool like college <laughs> bros hanging out and they're all like that we're too cool for that that will never happen to us and then slowly one by one they all find their counterpart so yeah and then uh one of the lines that always stuck to me over the years was uh remember me duk, 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 duk. And he's like Thumper. <laughs> Bambi's not the brightest crayon in the box, but uh, that's just like the one line that I remember from this film. Oh, even Flower gets a gets Twitter pated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yes. That's funny. A Twitter patient before Twitter was a thing. Oh, good times. They're All right, so so I guess we should rate it because our voicemails have nothing to do with this film. I just want I to say that, in... uh, that we did really well. I, I'm really surprised that we came out of that epic monologue about hunting and conservationism without any dislikes. So, hey, don't be disliked. You just don't, yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Mason. You just spoiled our podcast. Dude, we totally had 20 <laughs> people viewing at one point. Mm-mm-mm. We have friends. Yay. We have friends. Yay. We are friends. We are All right. We so what bitter. do you guys rate this? Y'all asking us or y'all asking the people, the good people I'm in the chat? I'm asking you to give the chat a little more time to respond. <laughs> I'm going to give it four stars. Woo-wee! Uh, well, yeah, I'll go with four. I'll, I'll put that up. Um, I like this movie because of just, it definitely stands the test of time. Um, it's still one of those movies that everybody knows. Everybody can say that they've, every person who every person should see this movie it's definitely not one that i think it should be skipped over particularly if you haven't seen it um and just from the the storyline of how intricate it can be and then also just the art is beautiful and come on april showers man april (laughs) showers april showers (laughs) So that's me. Okay. Ah, thunder tube. All right. So I'm, I'm having, I'm struggling between, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I'm, I was thinking maybe five, but I think this is just such a classic. I think it's beautiful in the way that it's not only the background paintings, but the way that it's animated, the realistic, the semi mostly realistic animals 
um, apart from their facial expressions, just everything that the that they did to if you look at these animals compared to the animals from Snow White, they are worlds apart um, in how anatomically correct they are and how they move. And it's really beautiful and and really masters were at work in all aspects of the animation. I love the story. I think it's very simple. It's a coming of age. It's talking about, you know, the realities of life and there's definitely a moral message to be learned. It's simple yet complex. Um, And every time I watch it, I'm always very, very impressed about how mature this film is. Mature. I think great word. I think when you talk, when you like mentioned a Bambi, like most people think just kids film, but it is far from a kids film. Um, I don't think you really sit down and watch it. You know, a lot of adults won't watch it. Yeah. Because they were scarred for life. Uh, They were quote unquote scarred for life as a child watching it. And uh, yes, my T-Rex arms. (laughs) 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 Gotta do the. The T-Rex. Four out of five. <laughs> Four out of five. Sorry, Morgan. I don't. I don't mean to constantly interrupt. Y'all know how excited I get. We do. Well, that's why we love Mason. Don't y'all? So, Bambi. This is one that you've just gotta see if you're a Disney fan because it it sets itself apart. It takes its time. It's got beautiful artwork. It's quieter, and of course, it's got the super powerful moment of um, the death of Bambi's mother. That being said. There are more entertaining... <clears throat> okay, like, contrast Bambi's death with Mufasa's death. I, I think that Mufasa's death is a little more entertaining and a little more powerful just because the movie speaks to me more as a whole, The Lion King. And so, as you all know, that is the 2D animated film that I will forever compare all other 2D animated films to. Four out of five stars, and that is my that's my final offer. <laughs> are you going to do that? Four out of five times. Oh, yeah. Okay, so four, four out of four gunshots out of a high-capacity clip. <laughs> Which, there's actually no such thing. All right, so... Silence um, I'm only at three. <laughs> and the last one. Oh, here we go. Wait for it. There you go. Very nice, Mason. Very nice. Okay, this so... This is the last time we do that unless we have a gun-themed... <laughs> Movie voicemail. So you better hope we never do Rango again. <laughs> well, or Final we Goes America- West. We are doing American Final Tales next, so get ready, guys. <laughs> All right, sorry, sorry. So um, I'm going to read some of the comments on what other people rated it. Young Mind Film said seven out of ten. D three I M two N T E I I says 9 out of 10. Jessica Angus says 8 out of 10. And the nostalgia is 10 out of 10. Uh, Alejandro R. gives it 4 stars out of 10. Really 4 negative. stars out of 10? 4 out of 10, he said. Uh, Jeremiah said 4 stars, maybe 4.5. No, 4. It's charming, well-made, and powerful. And, well, no, Alejandro comes back and said 8. So, oh, okay. <laughs> And uh, Brayden says Bambi Two was LOL. Um, I have not Ooh, seen that Bambi was like Two. The awkward years, wasn't it? After, yeah, uh, ninety-five, after... past ninety-five. You know. Oh, Ali. Okay, the eight out of ten was not referring to, uh, or the four out of ten, something different. Anyways. Oh, Sky is cloudy, your pretty musical bright in the day.
with that... Yeah, let's start our Ice Age 5 episode real quick. We are switching <laughs> so gears right. here, Ice Age <laughs> we are going to be talking about Ice Age 5, which I have not seen, I don't think Chelsea has nope. seen, and Mason has not seen. Well, I ain't exactly lactating, pal. <laughs> so, our first e- voicemail is from Rachel. So, Rachel, take oh, Rachel. Scopers, it's Rachel. Hi, Rachel. So I got a chance to see Ice Age Five, and uh, uh, I didn't really like it very much. I'm not really that surprised. I haven't been a big fan of the last two entries, and I guess if you like sheer randomness, there's something there. Uh, there it was very, very random. Uh, but I thought that it had a weird uh, kind of type of humor that I don't really care for, uh, where really the jokes aren't really jokes. Uh, they're really just the characters complaining about each other. And I felt there was a lot of that, you know, it was like every character complaining about every character. And, and then I felt also like, uh, there was too many sort of modern jokes that weren't funny. They were just sort of talking about modern stuff, like, you know, using hashtags as a joke. It's not really funny. And uh, so, yeah, I thought it was weak. And, uh, and it's too bad because I love the Peanuts movie last year. And uh, it's, it's a real downturn for Blue Sky for me. So, oh, well. Another tough, re- you know, a tough review by our very own Rachel Wagner. And um, it's interesting that she said that the brand of comedy was more of the characters complaining about it, about each other. It, mm-hmm. And it's going to happen when the main cast is so dang big. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. all of them found mates by now. Manny has, like, four kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, there, there's a franchise that won't let, a, that won't let um, any of the characters die. So yeah, I ask you, will you let the it. franchise die? Do you have the courage <laughs> to pull the plug on this franchise? Ah. <sighs> How did it do this weekend? I think that's sad that I, I like I said, like was mentioned before, none of us have seen this movie. Uh, but I think right. it's really sad that the the fact that she said that all of the humor is actually just complaining about each other, which doesn't make me want to go see it at all. Like I don't want to see where the entire thing is just like backstabbing somebody else's friend. Like I just I just don't, don't want to. Well, apparently. We did not want to see this, and neither did anyone else. So <laughs> let's the Ice Age collision course. Let's look. What does it even have to do with? Like, how do they stop an asteroid? What is this, Armageddon in the Ice Age? So Ice Age collision course only made $21 million in the opening weekend. It opened in fifth place. Um there were other movies that were definitely ahead of it. Uh, Secret Life of Pets was number two. Still, <laughs> yet has been out for a few weeks. Or taking, yeah. And so Ice Age, which was newer, basically, you'd think would do better. But I think that really is kind of an indicator that um, we... Uh, Ameri- like viewers are kind of done with this. It says, according to Box Office Mojo, until now, no Ice Age film had opened with less than forty-one million, and a twenty-one million dollar debut for its later feature, latest feature, is a fifty-five percent drop compared to the forty-six point six million opening of Ice Age: Continental Drip. To me, uh, this just goes what I. This kind of confirms what I've been feeling is that like, we are we are done. We are saturated. We are <laughs> just over it at this point um this cash cow has been milked until its teats are sore Mm. 
Yes. Anyway. To so, put it graphically. So, <laughs> very graphically. Oh my <laughs> that graphic. <laughs> Sorry. I hate to titillate you all, but. Oh, dear. Our next one is <laughs> nope, from nope, nope, Jeremiah. Dear, we're doing Ice Age, not Bambi. Jeremiah, take it away. All right, sorry, go help. You go still get thunder tubes. Hello, Rediscovery. Hey, Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah calling about Song of the Sea. Uh, although, like the Red Rabbit, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. It happens. Uh, let's see. I have so many things to say about this movie. Honestly, if uh, somebody were to tell me, I want to talk to you about Song of the Sea for an hour and a half, I'd be absolutely delighted. But, oh, well, here goes. Uh, let's see. The music, of course, is absolutely lovely. And so are the characters, and so is the animation. And... I don't know. It makes you feel everything you're supposed to feel. It has an emotional rhythm to it, almost like a poem, you know, a poem as if it were written with emotion, if that makes any sense, if every syllable was an emotion. And it's happy, it's sad, it's frightening, it's happy, it's sad, it's frightening, it has a rhythm like a poem and, poem and the emotion and... You feel every emotion, as I said, you're supposed to feel. So you're with the characters as you're on this journey with them. Um, you feel all Sirsha's sadness as she's being carried along on a leash, and it's just that, her pain, and uh, the rain falling, and the music, and you feeling exactly what you're supposed to feel. There's never a disconnect. Uh, uh, you know, so many movies have, you know, that joke that's supposed to be really funny and you don't laugh or something that's supposed to be really sad. It's just not. There was nothing like that out in here. And uh, it felt also a lot like a story or a, a myth or a legend. It also felt like a film because it felt very thought out and carefully crafted story-wise, you know, whereas uh, legends or the story just being told to you is more spontaneous, but it also had the feeling somehow of a story being told to you at the same time, and that was just a wonderful accomplishment. I've rarely seen a film that, well, never seen a film, really, that made me feel like this. This thing is an emotional journey all to itself, and, you know, Oh, it's just, I'm, I'm always going to have these characters in my heart. I'm always going to uh, be amazed by it. I give it 4.5 stars. You know, as a film, I have to, I can't give it quite five, but, but um, you know, as just a masterpiece that does things other films don't do, it's uh, so incredibly perfect. Tenny Wright, uh, again, this is Jeremiah. That's my wandering thoughts. I just, you know, I feel like I've seen something bigger than me and seen this film, really. So I just have difficulty. I think he got cut off yeah, because of the like length of the message. Don't. Don't. But so still, we'll was... never get to know what he was saying. But <laughs> Except I... for he's in the comments, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. He's, on the, he's right there on the chat, so. He could finish it up. He can finish it. Finish it, Jeremiah. Finish him. Finish it. Finish him. But, uh. <laughs> Friendship. Song of the Sea. I really liked it. It was very emotional. It was very clear mm -hmm. with the emotions it wanted you to feel. I suppose. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's very good, very good. Thank you for your review, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, well, that is that, right? That's a wrap for this episode. Yeah, that's it. I can't think of anything <laughs> more obnoxious things to say. I'm sure you could think of something. Oh, we've peaked at 21 people watching right at the end of our episode. So, <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs> we have a, a new inter. David apparently says, "Where am I? <laughs> You're in a good place." <laughs> well, all right. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. Big shout out to everyone who is in the chat, the 21 people joining us live, and everyone else who's having a great discussion in the chat. Thank you so much for everything that you are adding. I love having the chat because we get to really, you know, uh, discuss with you guys and get your guys' feedback, what's working, what's not, what are your thoughts. Uh, and again, sorry that we kind of switched this last minute on you. We just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so we We're did Bambi. And I am very happy uh, having watched Bambi and reviewed Bambi. And our next episode is going to be an American tale. Woo! That I'm so is excited. another that patron means... pick. <laughs> Come on, right when I wanted to do it. <laughs> oh. I haven't used a thunder tube in a really <laughs> long time, so I'm yeah. Glad this to bring is going to be a blast from the past. American <laughs> Tale Two. So make sure to uh, send, watch the, vi Final the film. Final goes and, west, man. I love this. And send movie. us your voicemails. I will include a link on the website at the bottom where you can rent this. Um, I'll include Amazon, iTunes, and then I'll even include a VidAngel link if you are watching it from that. Okay, if you would like to leave a voicemail for that, you can leave us a voicemail at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails or give us a call at 406-646-6575. Remember to keep those short and sweet so that way we can have more room for others. And if you would like all the show notes from this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash 128 and that's where you can find all of the links for the different things that we were talking about. Um, and lastly, yeah, thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media, Rotoscopers everywhere. All the good things. All the good things. All right, guys. Until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Rotoscopers. All right, we're not officially signing off yet because we got to do the title. Title. We should just do this as the title. <laughs> you have so many people who hate you yeah, right now. It's, so you it's know. not a fan favorite. It's very polarizing, which is why Mason keeps doing so, it. Of course, I love to trigger. Bambi's favorite rifle. <laughs> oh, my God. Bambi, get your gun. That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Bambi. Didn't you say um, something about the, the Faline? Faline <laughs> is your is your daughter here yet? Uh, mm. Let's see. The matchmaker is not a pleasant pheasant. Or patient pheasant. <laughs> Twitter pated. Yep. Elimination. Lack of Twitter patient. <laughs> <laughs> It's true on many levels. <laughs> this is the funnest just... part of the show when we're bickering with each other trying to figure out the title. <laughs> nah, that's not going to work. No, and so we give an idea and we're like, okay. okay. Like, mm -mm. And... Yes, and. Yes, and. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh... 
I think there's a bunch of votes for Twitter pated. Oh, Twitter pated. Got it. I like Ernesto check on whatever you guys want. That's right. Let us do our own thing. So what's her title? <laughs> nice. Ah. Everyone's got a sound effect. <laughs> I'll, I'll raise you a better one. Wait, was that me? Yeah, that was your cell phone. It was a Zelda oh. ringtone. Oh. <laughs> yes, my And it was perfect timing right after I made my little speech. <laughs> With that, we should end it. All right. All right. Oh, don't Bye, forget, guys. Be a Patreon subscriber. Bye.